Hello, hello, Carney. This is Peter Holland of the Carney Hub, and you are listening to the Hub Sports Podcast. Welcome, everyone. I'm host Peter Holland, alongside my partner, Buck Mahoney. Buck, what's going on? You seem like you're in a good mood today. Well, haven't ate yet. Maybe that's a problem. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, we're at that point of the season where we've wrapped up volleyball, we've wrapped up high school football, we still got college sports to go, and basketball's on, on the doorstep. Yep, winter sports already started their practice. All right, let's start off with something exciting. Buck, how about them loafers, man? How about them loafers? Coming off a win against Northeastern State, 56 to 10, and they secure a spot in the playoffs as the number six seed. They'll take on Western Colorado this Saturday at 2 p.m. Buck, I think the first thing I want to say is that UNK, they definitely earned their way just, just based on their strength of schedule and going on the road most of the times. And I think this was definitely well-deserved for UNK, but this is not only just a win for them, but how about a win for MIAA in general, the conference? There is a little bit of concerns of whether we'll have, we'll be lucky if we have two in the playoffs this year, let alone just Northwest Missouri State. You add Washburn being in the same bracket as Northwest Missouri. And then on the next bracket, we were just waiting on, okay, if Washburn can get in, why can't UNK? And just being that they beat them. And it just came down to that final, final slot. And there you have it, UNK got in, everyone's celebrating. But like I said before, this was a big win for MIAA. Right, the MIAA getting three in, that's that's an accomplishment. And it just goes back to the, the MIAA claims to be the SEC of Division Two, And they by getting three in, that just supports that argument. Interesting that Kearney got pushed west, got pushed out of the region that they're in into another region. Uh, NCAA says it's for travel reasons, and of course they sent Central Washington to Missouri. At the same time, they're saving money by sending Carney to Colorado. Sending uh, <laughs> in Colorado. Have you ever been there? Yes. The interesting thing about uh, Western and the stadium at Western State is the highest in altitude football stadium in the, in the country. So they remind you at all times that you are at altitude, pretty close to 8,000 feet. I just hope for a fact that none of the players have any kind of conditions where they're not allowed to be in that altitude. Because that happens for some of the football players. It does, but Carney's played out there before without any trouble. Uh, basketball teams played back-to-back games out there without any trouble. So I know that they're talking about the high altitude, but they'll be ready. Sure. Sure. From where we are right now, from Gunnison, it's 555 miles, about eight hours, eight hours and 40 minutes to be exact. So almost about a nine hour drive if we want to make the trip there on um, driving distance. If the Carney community wants to make that trip, that's something just to think about. Early report is that it's going to be uh, 50 degrees in Gunnison for game time. That's good weather, isn't That's it? good weather. But again, you got to go over the mountains. You might run into some snow before you get there. <laughs> right, right. And I'm sure T.J. Davis already alerted some of his family, being that he's from Colorado Springs. So might have some of 
his people come and travel down our way west to see him play. There will be a lot of Colorado people. Going back to UNK's days in the RMAC, UNK at times had more Colorado kids on the team than they had Nebraska kids. Hmm. So you're going to see a lot of alumni, a lot of uh, former Lopers that are living in Colorado Springs, Denver area that might make the trip. Yeah, I expect to see many, many Loper fans there. Sure. Going against West Colorado, obviously, they're one last seed. They're one of the top seeds. Their only loss during that season was another top seeded team in Colorado, the Colorado School of the Mines. They only lost to them by six points. 20 to 14 was the final score. So being that UNK been challenged, they've been on the road going against those MIAA teams. Do you see that this is kind of uh kind of benefit them? Now they're gonna go to a even more more hostile environment going against this West Colorado team that's probably likely gonna be the favorite. I can't see where Western Colorado it's going to be any more hostile than Pittsburgh State or Northwest Missouri. <laughs> you know, places that Carney played where there were 7,000, that's probably more than the stadium holds at Western State. Or I still call them Western State. They're Western Colorado now. But back in when we were in the RMAC, that was Western State. And I know that uh, that was one of the things that when Carney moved from the RMAC to the MIAA, they had to adjust to bigger stadiums, bigger, more hostile crowd. Sure, sure. Also, not to mention about UNK, you know, like obviously they're going to be under the radar, but I also kind of think, think about it a little bit. I'm not really too familiar with Division Two, and as far as underdogs or who will, who will make it far, or who will be the heavy favorites, but you got to think about it a little bit. 2019, West Florida, they were unranked going into that season, and somehow they've been challenged going finished with only two losses, and somehow, some way, they made a huge run, and they became national champs. I want to say that I'm not trying to really compare the two with UNK, but UNK, kind of like in a similar situation. They came into season unranked, and they've been challenged, and I can't say, why can't UNK be like that, what West Florida was, and just make make a, make a some noise in the, in the playoffs? There's the potential there. The, the thing you got to remember about Division Two is that national rankings are really not as accurate or as important as mm-hmm. in Division One. Mm-hmm. Actually, the the Division Two rankings that you really have to pay attention to are the regional rankings. And you know, UNK came out of the Region Sixth. You can look at a couple of those and say, "Well, it's a little shady," but no, it's. The Shady region, as region. in like you like they should they could have been higher or is it like this is they what could they... have been higher. There are four conferences in in the region and again the MIAA's claim of being the best Division two conference in the in the country. You can kind of take that to the well. There, there's some truth to that. The conference with Michigan schools that's always a tough conference. The other two conferences are. Probably not on the level, the MIAA and the Michigan. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. We wish the Lopers luck this Saturday, scheduled for 2 p.m. Also, um, we can't even fail to mention that T.J. Davis broke another record this time. He's now the all-time leader in rushing for touchdowns with 39 in his career. And having a guy like T.J. Davis just... You, I just remember that first episode, you said that he's likely the best running quarterback since the great Bob Frazier. 
You still Tommy, Tommy Frazier. Tommy Frazier. I'm sorry. Where did Bob Frazier come from? Um, Tom Frazier. Still stand by that? I'll still stand by that. There's something about TJ David just electrified. Like, just having him, it gives you a chance to win and just continue to build that rise down that Josh Lynn's been preaching about. Like, this team just five years ago, they were a 1-10 team. Now they're 9-2. and two. Regardless of what happened this Saturday, that's just something to build upon as far as a recruiting, as far as the returning players that experience that. You've got to be excited if you're with the Lopers in the direction they're heading. And it all started with TJ. It all started with Josh Lynn. Oh, I'm John. <laughs> you, you, you get what I'm saying. Though. Yes. Uh, TJ doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so have TJ break that record in two years is tells you. And really, we say two years. It's only been about a year and a half. He wasn't a starter to start his you know, freshman year here. And so for to have him do this, and yeah, in like 18 games, 39 touchdowns, that's a lot of touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not like teams don't know that he's coming now. <laughs> <laughs> he got away with, you know, being a surprise for a while, but he's not a surprise anymore. They know who they have to stop. Sure, sure. Like I said, best of luck for the Lopers. Let's see how far they can go. It's almost time. Basketball is already underway with um, both women's and men's. Well, any thoughts on both the women's and the men's basketball team with two games in? Two games in, both teams are one and one, which we're a little bit surprised with that. Women's team should be extremely good. Very surprised that they got beat on Saturday. I look for them to do a lot of great things. Men's team, going to be interesting to see. They're young. There are a lot of new faces. Tough conference again. We'll see how they do. You know, I know the coach is excited, that, uh, particularly with the young kids that he's got. If they can develop, there's going to be some uh, high expectations at some point. And we can't fail to mention volleyball team. They're underway with MIAA Conference Tournament. Any predictions for the Lobers Volleyball? They're the team you do not want to play. Even though they're the fourth seed, they're playing much better than a four seed. The semifinal, potential semifinal with them in number one, Northwest Missouri, should be a, at least be a barn burner. At least they, at least for the fact that even though they got the fourth seed, they're coming in hot because they're they're coming in very hot. And I just saw they have their top seven earned all MIAA on three first. And the Squires sisters are both first team. Emerson sizes of first team selection. So they're coming in hot. They're playing well. They had to put some pieces together, and it took them a while to do that. All right, we'll see what happens. Wish the Buck for all the Lopers this season. Unfortunately, Buck, we will not be going to Lincoln next week. We were very high on with Carney Catholic. They've been playing all year, and unfortunately, they were just not able to get over that hump last week against Lakeview. It was a close one at first. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was something that... I don't know what would be the best way to describe that Friday game other than there was a lot of uncharacteristic things that happened that we don't usually see from Carney Catholic all year. Right from the jump, they fumbled three times in the first half. I think that kind of played a role. I don't know. Maybe also at the same time, we got to give Lakefield credit. Like, my goodness, those guys are big. They definitely match up with their front against Carney Catholic's front. And they were getting after Mahoney throughout the whole game, and they did what no other teams could do. They shut down their run game, kept them to 23 yards on the ground. And even though 
the defense, they were hanging in there. That's why it was close because it was 14 to seven. It was just a matter of time. It's all going to catch up to them. And Adam Van Cleve, I mentioned him. Uh, he was going to be the player to watch. They lined him up at wide receiver and they were targeting the Stars cornerback, sophomore Carson Murphy. They threw two deep ball passes on his side. He was looking at the quarterback most of the time, but by the time he looks at Van Cleve, he was already gone. It was definitely a crucial loss for Carney Catholic. And we really thought that you got to hang their hats as this season because no one thought that they were going to make it this far after last season with, when we had Hyron Harbreg and all those skilled talent. They definitely matched that um, with this year with a little amount of depth that they have, but enough talent level and remain healthy and just made it back in the semifinals. Four state semifinals in the last 10 years. That's Definitely a major accomplishment for Coach Harvey and his team. Right. And Lakeview did what nobody's done against Kearney Catholic. They won the battle in the trenches. Their, their offensive and defensive lines won the game. And we hadn't seen that happen to the Stars all year long. The three fumbles in the first half were critical, mm-hmm. were killers. But it, eventually mm-hmm. it looked like Lakeview was going to wear them down. Lakeview was going to win the fourth quarter whether whether you wanted them to or not. And that's kind of, you know, the way I look at it is you get to the semifinals, that's four pretty good teams. And it doesn't take much to separate one from the other. Give a prediction, who's going to win the state finals? Lakeview (laughs) or the reigning champs, Pierce? Who you got? I've got Lakeview because Pierce won the first game. (laughs) (laughs) Pierce won the season opener, so I'll take Lakeview second time around. It's still kind of strange to me that you will have the 11th seed and the 8th seed in the state finals and not any of the top five. But at the same time, it just shows how stacked Class C1 is. And let's go back to our previous podcast. It shows why top seeds don't always deserve the home field. You know, Pierce and uh, Lakeview, yeah, they're low seeds, but they're not they're not bad teams. Right. And you can easily say they're the two best. Absolutely, absolutely. As far as with Carney Catholic, you're going to do was another crucial loss. Losses from the seniors, including guys like Brett Mahoney, who one season he played exceptionally well. Riley Greaser had a record-breaking season, um, having the most rushing yards in the season. That's going to be lost. Losing... Four of the five offensive line, that's going to be crucial. You got to rebuild that line. And then you got to look at some of the skilled players that's going to be gone too. The Garrett Schmatterers, the Max McBride, who's also their kicker. Aaron O'Brien, who was the one of their tacklers and linebacker. Those are a lot of guys that Coach Harvey going to have to build from the ground up. And I like Carson Murphy, and he was a... He played phenomenally well as a DB, but he looks like the next guy in line at quarterback. And he might not bring a lot of size, but he does bring a lot of quickness. And they're going to, Carvey's going to probably have to figure out how to build the team around him. And along with the other young players who were on that roster, but didn't really see a lot of playing time because of the, how loaded they were in the scene group. And plus the death, that's also going to be a little bit of a concern as well, because with the little amount of players that are coming back, but then also bringing in a JV team. This is something that you're going to be concerned, but Coach Harvey's going to have to focus on going into the offseason. Coach Harvey's got his work cut out for him. I don't worry about quarterback because Kearney Catholic has always come up with a quarterback for 20, 25 years. Mm-hmm. They've been able to come up with quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. They'll be all right, I'm guessing, skill positions. 
replacing the linemen, that's going to be the task. A, they're very good senior linemen. B, you know, just finding that many players to, at one time in what is a very crucial, critical position, that's going to be tough. It'll be interesting to see how they do with that. I think one thing about with Coach Harvey is that he's going to get them ready regardless. It doesn't matter the amount of talent level or the amount of skill sets. He's going to take what the strength that they have and run with it. And they're going to, he's going to keep them competitive no matter what. So I think that's probably the best positive thing that once you have Coach Harvey and this staff, they're going to find a way to set the team up to succeed. And I think that's probably you're going to feel a little bit of confidence, a little bit of hope with Connie Catholic. It's one of the best coaching staffs in the state. Rashawn's put together, and yeah, they've got they'll they'll come up with whatever is best. Mm -hmm. So now with football seasons done for us in our area, same way like we did with the girls in our last episode of we're looking at as our Hub Sports Player of the Year. What we're going to look at on the boys side? There's probably not a whole lot as far as from a football standpoint but there is a there are probably some certain players that pretty obviously that we should definitely definitely consider one thing that come to mind is from Carney's side Riley Breezer is one of them like we said earlier he got the rushing record um, for a single season he was Carney Catholic's workhorse the offense was built around him and he definitely kept the offense going for Carney Catholic so Riley Greaser is definitely the top of my list but I'm sure there's other Players on the Carney side should definitely be uh, definitely get a consideration. Your thoughts on that, Buck? When you look at eleven man, you look around the area. You still have to look at like Caden Miller, Riley Miller, Parker Wise. Uh, those are all players to consider. Greaser Mahoney uh, work out. Harson kid from uh, Minden. Minden, and that's just that's the eleven probably the top eleven man players in the area. You go to eight man, you get. Trevin went at the Pleasanton. You have a couple of kids up at Ansley Litchfield that are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Bertrand had a good season, has some good players. You know, we can go down to six man. There's good players both at uh, SEM and Wilcox Hildreth. We've got we've got a decent selection of players. Sure, sure. I probably one person that I've saw in the stats stat sheet. There's one lineman that probably should maybe give some consideration to. And that's on, on the Loomis side. How about Clay Meyer? I got six and a half sacks this year. I don't know if you saw that. Loomis has had a decent team. And you know, they've got some decent players. They're going to show up more when it plays basketball time. But it's going <laughs> to be. I'm sure they started basketball right away. But getting making it into playoffs and in Ty Speed's first years, that's also a major contract accomplishment for Loomis as well. Like the future couldn't future's definitely bright for at least on the Loomis side. Well, they have they have a long tradition of uh making the playoffs, you know, Dennis Reese, the last of the original coaches from when I started, you know, he retired after last year, so he left it in pretty good shape. Sure. All right. Any other final thoughts before we head out, Buck? No, no, no nothing right away. Looking forward to seeing the all MIAA football team when it comes out. Yep, sure thing. And like I said, unfortunately, we will not be heading to Lincoln next week. But we will be covering state football this Friday. Six-man football. Oh, my gosh. I don't know if I should be excited or I'm going to be very, very disappointed. Let's see. Cody Kilgore will take on Potter Dix. Both are undefeated. Both are 
top teams in six man. The one, I, the one and two seeds. One and two seeds, man. It's the only bracket that happened. <laughs> so it's going to be in Foster Field, seven o'clock. I don't know, Buck. I don't know if I have a prediction. All I know is it's either going to be one sided or it's going to be a complete shootout where both teams are going to put up over a hundred points. What What's your prediction, Buck? Yeah, it won't be it won't be that many points. Might be sixty get piece, but it won't be. <laughs> that, that's won't all. Be 100. I don't know. I just Cody Kilgore has been here before. He, they've been one of the six man top teams for four or five years. I like their chances. Cody Kilgore shut out this team called what Minotauri? Minotaur. Minotaur. That's what they call ninety seven to zero. Ninety seven to zero. Those are Madden numbers. I was like. Man, like I said, am I going to be very excited or I'm going to be very, very disappointed? Either or, this is going to be interesting going to Friday. I, that's all I got to say with six-man ball. I never cover six-man ball, ever. I mean, I've done eight-man, I've done 11-man in both Nebraska and Kansas. But six-man ball, that's just something I'm going to have to experience for myself live. Take your calculator. <laughs> <laughs> I will sure do. Remember that the... The, the only forward passes go over the line of scrimmage. You don't have to. Everything else is a lateral. Center is eligible. Although, is it uh, Cody Kilgore that has only completed 24 passes in 11 games, which is almost unheard of in six-man to be that run-oriented? So it's going to be a, it should be a fun game. You, you'll learn to like six-man. Keyword, learn. Learn to like it. We'll see about that. Thank you all for listening to the Hub Sports Podcast. And um, follow us on the Hub Sports blog on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at the pistol underscore D-A underscore P-I-S-T-O-L. Email us at sports at the And again, thank you all for listening to the Hub Sports Podcast. And we'll see you all next time.